a slut for a good font. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you are. A That's font, how I get you. Font, yeah, it is font slut. I send you a nice little font in the middle of the night, and I'll be like, if you ever you use, <laughs> if you ever use papyrus in anything you make, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Welcome to dinner with a movie. I'm one of your hosts, Blake, and with me as always, Brandon. I, I, I. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just take over from here, and I'm Jose. I, I, I'm sorry, but Brake just creeped me out. Stop staring at me like that. I uh, what? I just I'm trying to do like you I know the was a, cool calm NPR thing pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up with you today? I don't know. You got a lot of heartburn. A lot of chocolate no, not muffin. Yet, not yet. <laughs> give, me, give me give me a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, uh, today we watched Jose. Did you say your name? Yeah, I said it. I'm Jose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me get a, let me go along with the thing, Brandon. Today we watched <laughs> Stranger Than Fiction, as picked by Jose this week. Uh, you got any... Oh, yeah. And then we ate uh, meatloaf, uh, chocolate pudding. Jose got some incredible uh, pastries, um, some chocolate muffins and some cookies, and Brandon made the meatloaf, and I bought the uh, the pudding. It was a good um, dinner. One of our best, I'd say. Oh, this was probably one of the most, like, meal meals, it felt like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. To, it, it all meshes together. It's hard to remember exactly what we've eaten. It's up there with the tamales, I'd say. Yeah. I, in terms of flavor. Yeah. 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 I've kind of a lot over, of choices. I'm kind of over cereal for a while. Uh, if there's another thing with cereal, I'll definitely hop right on that. I'm just kind of done with milk products. It makes my voice too flaming i mean we're all we're all getting the chocolate blues right now i yeah. think i did um i did whenever i sent a text to you guys i did say fucking milk <laughs> I, <laughs> I, saw that. I did see that i mean i'm all for milk if it's with cereal but if it's just straight up drinking a glass of milk because we could have done milk and cookies for this one but we ended up not to which i think is a good move yeah i have milk from last week you can drink it i like that the meat i like the meatloaf it, t- it tasted great but the fact that this man's last meal before he knows he was going to die was fucking meatloaf. And re- chocolate pudding. Really fucking irks me. Well, it was homemade chocolate pudding, and I love meatloaf, so I'm not going to put anything I, I, against well, that. It was, I don't think meatloaf is bad. I am As my last meal. that, that uh, what's her name, Anna, right? Anna. I'm shocked that Anna's not a vegetarian. She's she, very woke. She would and, seem like a vegetarian or a vegan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I she mean, just seems like the type that would be an activist. I think she'd be sense. running like a vegan bakery or something. Maybe she w- tricked him. When was this made? Were, were, were vegetarians uh, Satanists back then, or <laughs> are we are we more uh, woke by then? By then, uh, they still used payphones, so I don't think they were super woke by, back then. <laughs> <laughs> what does payphones have to do with being woke? It's just a. Um, no, it's a sign of the times. Yeah, no, it's sticking it to the man. You know, the more you use payphones, the more money you're giving to the government. Oh, payphones aren't government. Payphones yeah, says you, huh? I bet company. you were paid off by Bush or something. You were paid off by the payphone companies. Yeah, big, no, big by, payphone. By Reagan. <laughs> Reagan <laughs> paid you off yeah, to Reagan, talk Reagan good things me. about payphones. Robert or Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> you still get directives in your phone calls every now and then? Remember, Brandon, remember your mission. Every, every single text starts with... Well, Brandon. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> well, Jose, you got any special facts for us this week? Well, yeah. So, Stranger Than Fiction came out in 2006, directed by Mark Forster. He also did Christopher Robin, World War Z, and Quantum of Solace. World War Z? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. And then the writer is Zach Helm, and I didn't really see anything else that he did besides this. Okay. Uh, Runtime is an hour and 53 minutes. And yeah, that's pretty much it. The movie's about a IRS agent who starts hearing voices about his voice. voice. He starts hearing a voice of a narrator specifically about his life and how he's going to die. And then he falls in love, meets the narrator, and that's pretty much the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My voices and don't narrate anything to me. <laughs> what do they say? Uh, they just whisper. Okay, Brandon, you need to talk good things about the payphone companies. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ronald Reagan's voice in my head. (laughs) Uh, Why did you pick this movie, Jose? Um, I have a very very specific memory of the first time that I watched it. And I remember we went to Blockbuster to get a movie. And my my dad likes funny movies. And so he had me pick a movie, and I'm just walking down the blockbuster aisles, and I saw Will Ferrell. And I knew Mm -hmm. Will Ferrell was in comedies, and I knew my dad would have liked it. So I picked it, and then we got home, and my dad was upset that it wasn't a comedy. Yeah, this movie's not very funny. No. Yeah. And so I remember as a kid, I really liked the movie, um, just the premise of it, and I wanted to rewatch it and see if if I still liked it. And I think I do. Yeah. Um... I think I didn't mind this movie that much on my first watch. I started to realize how much I didn't like this movie as I did my second watch in notes. I was I was like, oh, dang. I actually, because everything I was writing, I realized after a little bit, I'm like, this is all negative. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, uh, you want to talk about our meal first? A little bit more. We did talk we about did our talk meal. About it. Uh, I mean, I, I talked about like our general thoughts on pudding, our general thoughts on cake and and well, meatloaf. Well, I'm glad we didn't eat apples. Yes, yes. And I'm sure Jose is glad we didn't have banana or banana bread. Yes, true. Yeah. We did have and chocolate pudding, which I'm not the biggest fan of. I got. I mean, I got the cheap like Hershey's kind from the store. I. I mean, just those little snack pods that had a little pudding in it, it just throws me back to middle school. You know, my mom always packed me a nice little snack pod. I stand by it. I don't think meatloaf is a good last meal to have knowing you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, but Anna didn't know it was his last meal. Right, but he right? couldn't have said, well, hey, he I also, want something. He also, like, finished up his, what, his audits, you know? True. For his night before. So he was kind of just going with the flow for that night. Yeah. Yeah. He was getting things done, and he didn't want to tell her. He didn't tell her at all. So, you all right? Yeah, just flummy. <laughs> Um, I just figured it was, it was just the meal that she made that night. Just the you simplicity know? of it is yeah. what Yeah, that he was, he was just Harold. happy, he was just happy to be with her, and it didn't have anything to do about, with the meal at all, because they didn't even show the meal. Well, I guess, uh, do you think that meal was written into the script? That, that, um, Miss The last Eiffel meal? Is writing? Oh, do you think I she wrote that think, into the script? 
I'm not script. I mean, uh, the book. The book. She's writing. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. We, we, uh, it, no, no. Yeah, it, it she narrates. Me. She narrates. She narrates it. it. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. not. It's not up to him. True. Wait. So Fate that begs, brought a, him the, that begs the question: Does she control what the characters in his here's the thing that book do? Is, is this, that your complaint? that's the big question? This is one of those movies where the <laughs> rules of the universe make no, no sense. sense. Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> in any way. Where I was just anytime I was thinking about, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? How does she do this? How does he do that? And I just got more and more upset. It's almost <laughs> as bad as Prisoner of Azkaban's uh, time travel. <laughs> we could spend the next two we'll hours to, talking about we, that. We are going to have to wait another four years to get to the <laughs> Azkaban's time yeah, travel. Right. But yeah, I don't know. What do you? How do you feel about the the general mysticalness of this movie? Um, Jose, I, I enjoy the the concept of it. And I, I acknowledge that the execution of the idea isn't the best that it could be. And I think the problem lies with it's such this grandiose idea of having a director or narrator within the movie for a book within a movie. It's this big idea that I think sounds better on paper than it's executed in the movie. But there are times where I'm able to enjoy what's happening in the story that the movie's trying to tell that allow i can ignore the problems that it has okay see the whole time i can't stop thinking about it well that's your thing so i so i've been thinking about i don't even think your problem is with time travel your problem is just with movies that don't follow their own rules um no i don't care if the movie doesn't follow it no because harry potter breaks its own rules all the time right well that's why blake doesn't like prisoner azkaban or not doesn't dis. you know what i mean um, I mean, I guess it's that it follows it. Yeah, because it's it. If I can't, because if I'm thinking through the movie, I already have a tough time thinking about how movies and series of events happen, like A equals B equals C, then all that. So if there's this whole thing that, like, as I'm thinking, like this doesn't add up. Why isn't this, like, why at this one point did her narration do this, and at this one point her narration do that? Uh, then I get upset. You should have come to cinematic structure more often. How come? Because all of that's explained in cinematic structure. There's no way that that was explained in cinematic structure. Well, it will be in my class, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me why this makes sense. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, you said you already have a hard enough time following... Well, that's from not... point A, point B, point C. That doesn't have to do with movie structures. That has to do with my <clears throat> tiny brain. Well, yeah. But you, you ex- exercise your brain. Right. You so what Brandon's saying what... is that you should have gone to class more to yeah. make your watching, brain bigger. Watching and rewatching movies and interning. Yeah. I was, no, I was working on Spooky Dookie. <laughs> no, you weren't. I is worked it, on Spooky Dookie. Can we do Dookie a whole episode you? of Spooky Dookie? I think it was I mean, editing. editing? It, I think it was editing it. Huh. I think that was my excuse. Can we do what? A whole, e- a whole episode of Spooky Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite movies. That was our first real yeah. movie yeah that's one of the movies uh i think that is structurally sound everything that happens in that makes sense and uh-huh. i think it is a uh, very tight i i think it's a masterpiece yeah i think but so. after we did that then we shouldn't have done anything else afterwards right Sp- I think and it, we other than the spooky tookie 
You should have you quit Spooky Tookie. You say Tookie? Yeah, Spooky Tookie. Spooky Tookie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, is that made? No, uh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Are you going to make that? It's good. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write it. Keep a lookout. Spooky, <laughs> I'm not, Spooky I'm not Tookie. I'm not going to AD it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I retired my AD gig after uh, shoot first. Uh, so what were you talking about? About the structure? Uh, there are certain parts of this movie that I, I appreciate that mm-hmm. I like, right? Um, it's structurally sound, but the, I did have a problem with the, the narration and where his life and free will, um, ended and where the narration began, right? There, there's that hazy, right? Like you said, if, if she narrates that, um, or if she writes, if, uh, Karen Eiffel writes that he's going to have meatloaf as his last meal then she's more or less dictating what anna's doing well i think that's also assumed because of her imagining the kid on his bike and the woman driving the bus because she's controlling their lives as well right which which i appreciated that part because she doesn't really narrate that maybe they're hearing voices who knows yeah, maybe other people are hearing voices, but we're not privy to the voice that they're hearing, and they don't say anything because they know it's fucking nuts. Well, well in those scenes, she's not narrating; she's visualizing. Right. When she sees, right, but the they boy, are real people. Right, they are real people. So does that beg, that begs the question? Because the movie implies that she has to write something down for it to be a for it to be real, right? Yeah, she right. has to typewrite it. it. Yeah, and so, but she imagines the kid falling—not falling—riding his bike into the street, which doesn't actually happen. Uh, what do you mean? Like she when she's uh, on in the, the bri- rain, yeah. Oh, in, yeah, on the bridge, yeah. It, 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 that doesn't actually happen, but she imagines it, and at some point, it, it, it there. That's where the line gets murky for me. Well, she has to type it for it to be real. Mm -hmm. Well, I think with those two specifically, maybe we can assume that... So there's the one person that it's about, which is who's hearing the narration, which is... is, uh, Harold. Harold. Um, and, uh... What? I remember... I, Dude, I went... I went to... Mr. Crick. I so painstakingly, before this, went back through my notes, and I was like, names. There's Anna... There's uh, Harold, Harold, there's Karen, Karen. there's Dr. Uh, Humboldt, Himble, what is it? Hilbert. 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 Professor. There's, uh, there's Penny, who doesn't do shit. Weird, weird. Penny is the most w- useless character weird, in this movie. Weird character for Queen Latifah to play. Mm-hmm. Very strange, because she had starred in um, Beauty Shop. She had been, I think... Uh, I know Bar- I know Beauty Beauty Shop was before this. Mm-hmm. She was in a Steve Martin movie. I forget what it was called. This is still like when she's acting. <laughs> but but she was What is she doing now? She, I don't know. But she starred in those movies and to take a back seat in this movie was just like strange to yeah. me. It it kind of feels like an actor that they cast to get a certain group of people in seats at the theaters. Maybe Definitely. that's kind of what it yeah. feels like. To Maybe, me. but then, like, cast- but then also they have a consider they have a good cast in this movie. 
I'm convinced that Queen Latifah is strictly there for a demographic. A demographic. That's really. my assumption. Well, she certainly mm. doesn't serve any plot purpose. Well, no, she does. She does with, with when when Karen. The, the trouble with this movie is it doesn't start until halfway through. With uh, when Karen's introduced, or um, no, Karen's introduced before that, but it yeah. doesn't really the, start. The until... halfway mark is when Harold finds out that he's going to die. Uh-huh. That's a, that actually happens, I think, about the hour. Yeah, the hour perfect cinematic like a, structure. The movie's like an hour fifty-three. <laughs> but back to the two characters, I think you have to assume <clears throat> that what Karen's writing specifically, like only Harold can hear, but is affecting the fate of everyone around him. So Harold can only hear whenever she's writing about him. Yes. Which is interesting because you have to assume there's a lot more things that she's writing about him that you'd think would appear more in his head. Why doesn't he hear her writing that he's going to survive? Uh, he's, he's out. He's, he's like out. Okay. Oh, so do you think, uh, yeah. are we going to hit the end already? Uh, I mean, we don't really have a real structure here, do we? Okay, well, this is what bothered me about this fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't she wait, write the ending that lands him in the hospital, and then rewrite the ending that she wanted to, because now he's out? So, like, kill him and then... Oh, right. Well... So you're saying right well, because she's just like I'll if, just rewrite the whole, she rewrites rewrite the whole it, book. If she rewrites it, yeah, she says, "Well, I'm going to go back and rewrite the entire book to fit the ending where Harold right. survives." Well, why don't you just write the original ending you wanted? He's if he's out, if he's in the hospital, he can't get hit by a fucking bus again. He's in the hospital. What if the bus goes through the hospital? I he's, think he's what if there's on, the, if you look at the hospital, doctor, he's on like the 50th floor of a, a building. What if a doctor is shown uh, circling wanted ads and circles a bus <laughs> ad, and then he gets in the bus and drives <laughs> to the hospital? <laughs> I'll play devil's advocate in this sense, because I'm with you. I think it's dumb that she didn't kill him and then decide to change that. My What I understood or what I felt from her character in that scene is that she didn't understand why she was killing these characters in her novels. Like she, she was feeling a sense of doubt over killing so many people in her novels. And I think she was questioning herself as a, as a writer for 10 years. Right. (laughs) Well, it also made me think like when, when, when a professor Hilbert, 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 when professor Hilbert was like, uh, Oh, she kills people. And it's like, really? Is that a thing that you really want as an author to be like every single one of my books, the hero is going to die right at the end every time. Right. You know, the ending of every book that she's ever going to write. Right. It seems like kind of like a, Oh, that's my shtick. But if she keeps him alive and leaves the book the same as it is, it's surprising to her readers. And which this one's going to be surprising too. Cause he survives it. Right. Yeah. But I just, I just didn't, it it was weird to me that she was hung up on this one character for 10 years. Right? Right. God. I said it again. Um, (laughs) she's hung up on this one character for 10 years. She's basing her entire book around not being able to kill this specific character And then just at this one moment, he can hear her like nothing 
tragic happens to him, just one day he starts hearing her. Mm-hmm. Well, it's supposedly it's attached the beginning to the stopwatch to the to his. It's watch, the beginning but- of the book when you on the screen when you see the first page of the novel, it begins with the first narration at the beginning of the film. But she wrote that ten years ago. She's in the interview in Doctor Hilbert's oh, office true. talking about death and taxes. Maybe she didn't. Oh, I mean, and Doctor Hilbert says well, we don't know. That. She could have just been. Dr. Maybe she didn't Hilbert type it. Says maybe she didn't type it until ten years later. Yes. Oh. Maybe she just had it written down on legal paper. But well, I believe she I'm- said she was writing it. So maybe, yeah, maybe it was something special. But see, that's where it's so the magic's that's in the typewriter. Where it's weird. If the magic's in the typewriter, then we should get a glimpse of the typewriter, right? Where it came from. You and know? instead, they focused if- on the stupid fucking watch, which only on like had watch. a magical property twice. It only twice was like, oh, I'm warning you about something. This book. Her the fictional novel, whatever she's writing, the watch is the only sense of magical realism that it has, yeah. and then nothing else in the in her book. The movie's full of it, but the watch is the only aspect of her book that's magical realism, and it just doesn't work with anything else in in this book. It seems bizarre, and it kind of makes me think about the effects that they have, like the visual effects that like pop up counting things seems so arbitrary to me. Like it doesn't seem like it's purposeful. It was purely stylistic. Exactly. Yeah. Like completely like anytime, the one time I wrote this down when he is going through his comedy and tragedy counting, that should have been counted through the visual cue because that's yeah. the only thing that story-wise makes, of, makes sense, sense for him to count. Instead of showing <laughs> him writing it down, that should have been the thing that yes. we see. Yeah, no. Yeah, cuz it's like, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to like count it on my paper when we have this visual cue established." Which, that's which him is, counting it's in a, his head. It's a funny scene. Or it's a funny gag to see him look down and see the whole page full of yeah. tragedy. It, it's a, it's something but you're supposed but to laugh if he that, could see if all of seen that the expression stuff, on his face and then you see the tally like next to his head it would have been a better moment i think but, i think i think yeah. so if if we we don't ever get a clue that he can see all of those things right are, are, isn't it he never interacts that. with them yeah right so i mean if if in order for it to be something that was actually funny or he should have interacted with those things, right? He could have swatted them away, or it could be like like Sherlock, where he's thinking, and it's you know he kind of interacts with those things mm-hmm. a little bit in he his like mind. Looks at him it's like his mind. Um, if this was, um, if this was given to us in that context, then it would it would work, right? But it just seems like just bullshit. Well, maybe maybe Hilbert's uh, mind palace, uh, not Hilbert, no, Harold. Maybe Harold's mind palace is the bus. Mind palace? What the yeah, fuck Sherlock's is Yeah, Sherlock's mind palace is a subway. Oh. And, and Harold's is a bus. I don't know. There's a lot of bus. In the bus scene where they're There's on, a lot separate, of buses, they're on yeah. separate sections of the bus and they're moving. That was interesting. Yeah, that's an accordion bus in the middle. I think that was cool. There's a couple of buses here in Vegas that do that. That was a very interesting choice to have them separated like that. It made me a little dizzy. 
yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I like sitting in that middle part um, <laughs> whenever I go go anywhere. Yeah, yeah see it, it move back and forth. Yeah. Um, let's talk about pos- positives. What positives do we have? I do. I do like the the MacGuffins, the boy on the bike, and the lady looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of you kind of get it um, more with the boy on the bike that he's gonna he's gonna cause something to happen mm-hmm. because he's just like riding everywhere. But the lady that's looking for a job, it's it's so muted. Um, yeah, and she just pops up every once in a while, seemingly not adding anything to the story. Um, and then she's the one that's on the bus on her first day that runs into Harold. Um, and I, and I, I like that. I appreciated that. Um, I do, I do like the, the, the theme of numbers as well that, that goes throughout it. I like it whenever Harold is first introduced and his life is being narrated and, um, he's on his lunch break and he's looking at an ad for 10 key calculators. Right. Um, I like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. The small stuff like that. And it, and it falls in line with all of the numbers. Even Karen Eiffel is number oriented. Uh, how so? Um, what was his name? Uh, the guy that, uh, made the Eiffel tower. Gustav Eiffel? Yeah. I think is his name. All uh, of them are named after like mathematicians or engineers or Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eiffel uh Yeah, Cr- Gustav Eiffel remember, was an engineer. The, who made who designed the Eiffel Tower. Hilbert. Uh Anna Pascal, she was a chemist? Like Pascal. Pascal. Was yeah. a chemist, biologist. Yeah. So I like I like that I like that uh, motif. Oh yeah, Pascal's um, a measurement. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the numbers, the numbers and the math run throughout the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I appreciate that. What, what do you think? Like the, is there like a deeper significance to what numbers mean in the context of this story? Cause that's something that didn't exactly hit me really. I feel like this tried to have a lot of symbols and a lot of like motifs, but I feel like none of them really connected my, well my thing, for me. What my understanding of it was that what the numbers were for Harold, there were a sense of security, the number of brush strokes and the his number of steps, the time that he left, and you know you don't really see him become a a character, a person until he stops counting. Right, he's not, he like there's a moment where he's staring at the he's brushing his teeth and he starts brushing differently than he normally does. Mm-hmm. That's and when so, he's at Dave's. Right, when he's at Dave's eating whatever weird food they were eating. Oh yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever. <laughs> I didn't go back I, and try to look it at it. It looked like mashed potatoes and but a, it wasn't but it wasn't mashed potatoes. It was like a it, Also the plates that they were eating on looked like Squash? I, I I don't know what it was. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, and then the, that in the whole middle, apartment was weird. In the middle, <laughs> there were like long, like weird mushroom things. Yeah, n- there there it looked like um, looked like edamame, but it was like oh yeah, yeah long, yeah. right? Like like I I only weird. pause at the scene because I 
Brandon texted us about it right before I got to it. So I started like frame by frame trying to figure out what the and hell it was. you can figure it out because I no. did the same thing. So what the fuck are these guys eating? <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. But but I equated it to that that um, that scene and Dave in particular, his his friend. Dave's one of my positives. Being, being um, like quirky and sci-fi whenever he clicks on the the light in the it's room the sound. it's the sound to uh, um, um uh one of those things a star trek communicator right yeah um and then he sleeps in a pod he calls them pods pod, right yeah, sleep, <laughs> sleeping pod too yeah yeah um and his 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 place was kick ass yeah yeah, yeah. it looked really cool I, I love Dave. I love Tony Hale and anything he's in. He is fantastic. So Dave's Buster. one of my... Yeah, but he's so good as Buster. <laughs> he's great. He's great. I like Dave because he could easily... Tony Hale could easily play some weird character that like you're put off by. Not because they're like bad a bad person, just because of the energy that he brings. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely... a He's a good friend to Harold. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is nice. Yeah. He's not like super he's not overly quirky and weird. He just likes sci-fi things and he eats weird mashed potatoes. I want this movie to be about Dave. <laughs> I think it should have been about Dave. I want this movie to be I, about Dave and him at Space Camp. I found I found <laughs> some of the That's the sequel. <laughs> yeah. But. Some of the the some of the lesser characters were more interesting to me. Than the main characters. Harold is so do, boring. Do you think? I think that's the point, though. But he's beyond boring. There's one specific quote that Doctor Hilbert says to him, where he's like, "He's like, are you? Did you sleep?" And he's he's like, "You look tired." He's like, "No, uh, not tired, just calm." And I'm thinking, like, that's you. This entire movie, you look like you are like so bored and tired of being in this movie right the now. The only time the only time he shows like o- overt emotion is when he has the breakdown when his when his right before he has to reset his watch. Yeah. And and and, and when he's freaking out to the narrator too. Yeah. And that's yeah. classic Will Ferrell. Yeah. I just it, I, it's it's toned down Will Ferrell. Yeah. It's yeah. not It is which made it bearable for me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's like somewhere in that middle is preferred to you. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. he's like looking in the shower head and stuff. Yeah. I, th- I, I thought he did a good job. I I enjoyed I mean, it's not like, I don't think he's he won any awards for it, but I thought right. he, I think they definitely cast him to bring a, a, a name to the movie, like a... Emma Thompson is a name to the movie, right. and she has the best lines. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman too. Yeah, he's also. Yeah. I think all of them are cast because of who they are as actors, but I still think they all did. A, I think Will Ferrell does not the worst job, but does he's the good least for what he has to work with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I know that is the point that he's supposed to be like this boring, not much happening to him character. I just feel like. Some like some conversations, like I think his interaction with with um, with Anna, like the first time, I I I kind of like that droned version of him, where he's just like, well, you should have expected an audit then, like just kind of like that worked for me. But then there's other moments where it's like you are asleep at the wheel, buddy, like you are on autopilot. 
I don't know. It didn't. It didn't work too much for like, me. Like uh, Jeff Goldblum in Cats and Dogs. Yes. <laughs> no. No. Jeff Goldblum at least had some. He had some style. No. He is definitely but sleeping he through that entire dog. movie. No. He's sniffing the dog. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's he's into that movie. I just wish Jeff Goldblum was in this movie. <laughs> um, Replace Dustin Hoffman with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> speaking of Anna, there is no cinematic universe. Where Maggie Gyllenhaal and Will Ferrell, and Will Fer- Maggie Gyllenhaal falls for Will Ferrell. There is no cinematic universe where that is remotely oh, acceptable. Because, well, don't you just walk up to any girl and say, "I want you," and they just take you right into their bed? <laughs> Fuck so that's isn't right. that isn't you that what bring your flower everywhere? <laughs> Yeah, oh, I you did like to, the flower I did, joke. I, I like the flower cheeky, joke. Yeah. <laughs> it was a dad joke at best. <laughs> it worked great. It, worked. it you, was. I brought you good. flowers. It got him vagina. What, what are those? I'm with, I'm with I brought blank. you flowers. <laughs> I loved it. Like it wasn't was even like. Scene. Hey, look! The, I, I want hey, ruins of these are for yeah, you. I, I brought you flowers. You know, there was no emotion to it. It was like I brought you flowers. I want you. See, when he said, I, I want, want you, you, I totally thought, okay, that's it. The scene's done. She's going to be like, that's weird. It and walk lingers away. too long. But then she fucks him before it. She, she fucks him because he plays a song on guitar plays- horribly. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? <laughs> I, I'm sick of the- I don't like the guitar part. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm sick of the cliche or the trope in movies where a character sings a song and then the movie transitions to the real recording of the song in the background. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it when a character's singing his piss poor version of the song. And then when they start having sex, they transition to the real. <laughs> oh, fuck. You know what I think would have been better? If it would have actually, I mean, it shows him learning guitar through a montage. We have no idea how long he's been learning to play the guitar. It's it's been less right. than it's been less than two four, weeks four, four weeks. weeks because that's the time frame of the movie right yeah four weeks um, but it would have been nice to to hear him actually playing and like maybe humming the tune or something we don't even get that we just get it in a montage that oh I'm playing my sea foam uh, abused guitar now. And I'm like, fucking give me a break. That montage. So you know me, Jose. I am you a love, sucker for self-improvement haunt montages. Montage. This one was not that. <laughs> it was him playing it was him playing guitar and going up elevators. <laughs> like that was the montage. <laughs> and watching one movie by himself laughing while eating popcorn. Which that being said, watching movies by yourself is a total power move, and I love doing it. I love going to the theaters. So, well, I loved going to the theaters. It took and me a long time to go by myself. Really? Yeah. I it's, won't eat. I won't go. I, I, well, I, I can't say I won't because I have. I, wouldn't, uh, I used to not, and I don't like to, go eat by myself at a restaurant. That still makes me a little I still haven't gone over that hill, but movies by myself, I actually enjoy a lot more. Sometimes it's preferable. I, I, or I think it depends on the movie. Some movies I want to feel... I, I don't know. The person that I go with, I like to You want to feel the person you go with? I want to feel him up in the back of the theater. No. I, <laughs> uh, you, you want them? Yeah. I'm going to bring do, them do flour. Turn, yeah, do you bring, do you bring flour? Yeah, and, screw popcorn. And turn, I bring flour. Turn, turn around in the, the middle of the movie and say, I want you. <laughs> I want you. But I want you. Um, and just like blankly stare at her. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. But you know what it's like to be in a room when someone me. likes or hates a movie and you're watching it and and you feel that from the person. Yeah. I, I, like I don't, that. but everyone that goes to movies with me does. <laughs> they <laughs> feel I know what, what you mean. feel about a movie? <laughs> like, it's anytime I watch a movie with my mom. Yeah. I'm always like, ooh, she don't like this. And so sometimes, and so for, I, that's why I like and don't like going to movies with people. Uh, yeah. Because a person can ruin a movie that I really enjoyed, and I'm like, oh, well, they definitely did not like this. I used to go watch movies with my friend Eric. Um, we were roommates for a long time. And whenever we'd go to, to the movie, you could tell if he liked it and how much he liked it by how much he looked at his watch. <laughs> He would he would totally in the middle of the movie like look at his watch like Did it light how, up? how much more fucking time do I have to sit here until the shit's over and then, and I got used to it so much that I just start laughing every time you do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just this movie pissed me off so many ways. <laughs> I I like Maggie Gyllenhaal, but but but. This was just bizarre. She's very forgettable in this. This was just bizarre. Like I she don't like her in this movie at yeah. all. She's not likable. Well, the she she thing- starts off as like this like rough and tough like, anti-establishment, anti-establishment like independent girl, and then after like he apologizes for uh, uh, ogling her, and then fucks him the next time. I thought fucking pay your taxes, bitch. <laughs> Well, that's I, exactly what well, I thought. I wanted that to come like, out of his mouth. Fucking pay your taxes, bitch. You underpaid your taxes by what, 30%, 20%, 20, 20, 20, 22%, 22%, 22%, 22%, 22%, really? And you're going to go to jail for underpaying your taxes 20%? Fucking please. Well, but, I hope she knows but that. she wasn't likable at all. <laughs> She wasn't likable at all. My biggest complaint is that there's no real chemistry between Maggie Jill and Hall and Will Ferrell. None. There's no... Well, there has to be some if you say, I want you to someone, <laughs> and they fuck like, you. You can tell they're both just kind of droning on and reading the lines, and and they're trying... I, I feel for uh, Maggie Jill is at least trying to bring something to this, but they're just not clicking. When she just ruins that whole thing of dough... Right at the start, <laughs> she just throws it at the wall just to make another one, and she just like doesn't care after that. She's just boogie. But I hope she knows if she pays what like seventy eight percent of her taxes, that seventy eight percent's not going to the stuff she wants. It the defense that's is not, still getting a cut that's of that. Not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> uh, this this business didn't didn't pay twenty two percent of their taxes. I'm sorry, unemployment. You're not getting your your taxes from the state. Now. <laughs> Sorry, Social Security, and I. It, it was preposterous for me. Um, the whole that whole tax situation—it's just silly. Tax man. And why would why would an IRS agent go to your place of business and go through your paperwork That's what at I was your wondering. place of business and add everything up? It didn't make any sense. I, you, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was normal. The doesn't come to you. Yeah. You go to the IRS when you're audited, and you bring your stuff, and it better be in order, or they'll say, nope, we have you down as, as owing us $50,000, and if you can't prove you don't owe us $50,000, and you owe us $50,000. Also, the bullshit of her giving away food is tax-deductible and would cover the rest of the 22% that she owes. 
what to the, the fuck? To the one bum what, that, what is she? that frequents her establishment? <laughs> you checked, you if she's getting 22% of sure her revenue away to that bum. <laughs> that has to be tax evasion. There's no, no, no it's not because it's a charitable contribution. You could, you could justify it. One but homeless not, man is not a charitable contribution. But not, yeah, but not that, right? If she was if she if she was taking all of her food at the end of the night and we saw her going to a homeless shelter and giving it to the homeless shelter, yes, that's tax deductible. But giving one one no two two no two whenever he grabs the 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 You make fun of people with stutters? That's how he says it. <laughs> um well I think that's what this movie is the script specifically is missing. There's a lot of scenes that would make the movie a little better that wouldn't add that much to the runtime. Yeah, you know what those scenes are called? An entirely different movie. They make up an entirely different movie. Well, yeah. Because they just don't fit? I Because they would make an entirely different movie. A better movie. A better movie. <laughs> 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 I am... Um, yeah, all of that just just irritated me, and I watched it twice because I will always watch something through one time, and then the second time I take notes, and some things just stuck with me. That was like this is fucking irritating. It had really good moments, but as a whole, I just I did not connect with it at all. Right, I connected more with the the what wasn't said. Like the lady that was looking for a job that that only has lines at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I could appreciate um, writer's block. I could appreciate um, looking for um, new and inventive ways to um, to write about someone dying, like um, like Karen does. I can appreciate that. The scene at the hospital is so weird. Where she goes, she's like, where are the dead people? <laughs> where, where are the people that aren't going to make it? <laughs> um, she did I great. She did great. I, she did I, I liked like that. Yeah. Right? It's I a weird that. scene, I, but I liked it. Because, <laughs> because I mean, a, as a writer, if you've never been, and, and I would find it hard to believe that a writer that is, is popular and has, has books to her credit, um, has not been in a hospital and seen dead or dying people yet. Yeah, especially that's her thing is killing right, people. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was kind of it, it was kind of strange, but the but the scene oddly worked um, because I think of the dialogue and how she delivers her her lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is. It really is the way she says things that I think work a lot. Not exactly the writing. Yeah, right, right. She's a great character actress, mm-hmm. right? Um, Trelawney, yeah, is just wonderful, yeah. right? I didn't even know that was her for the longest oh, time. For the longest time, yeah. I, I, I kept thinking, I know that. I know who that is. <laughs> you know I that know. voice. And I, yeah. and I yeah. waited, and I remember watching the credits as they rolled on the screen, and I was like. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's impressive in, in Harry Potter. Um, I want to talk about when um, Karen mentions falling off of the building and how that relates to the plot. Um, in the beginning? Yeah. 
because uh, that seems significant to her. I mean, that was the whole thing of like, why don't you ever think of jumping off buildings? Um, do you guys think about jumping off buildings? If I'm ever at a high point, I'll look down and I'll have this moment where I'm like, what if I just, what if really? I just, what if I just went? But why? Do you not? No, 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 no. I mean, it de- it depends on why, right? If you're up there thinking, what if I just jumped because you don't want to be here anymore? Or if, or, or if you said, what if I just jumped to see what it felt like? Or if to see if I can fly? It depends on why. I can run down the street and flap my arms to, to, to see if I can fly. I don't have to jump off a building. <laughs> You don't know I that, think, Brandon. I don't because think if, I, to- if I took off running down the street flapping my arms, I would be very happy because that would be fucking cool. Because how I've much, done that how much my thrust do you produce? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to eat a whole can of Rosarita <laughs> refried beans before I do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Get some propulsion going. It's not to see if I could see what it would be like to fly or whatever. It's, it's like the morbid curiosity of being like, all right, what would it feel like to fall from this height? And then always at least for me i'll think about that and then the second i i don't think about it anymore i get like this sinking feeling in me that's like ooh, spooky really? i don't know you guys didn't ever do that no no i totally do it all the time whenever i'm at high things but like i never they, go but, to do it it's just like a second whenever thought. they first opened up the stratosphere mm-hmm. i did lean on one of the windows and look down spooky um, it's 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 to where you can't even go up to the windows now oh really yeah I, I like think totally. It's, I think it's like it's mesmerizing to me to get to this point. I I don't feel it as much like hiking or things, but you know, at the stratosphere or, or the Empire State Building or a tall building, something for me, it's the the impossibility of standing at such a high point in this specific spot because thousands of years ago, nobody else could have stood in this spot. It's it's I, for me, it's more of the the history of it. The history of standing in that that high spot that that's more appealing to me. Hmm. With Karen mentioning that, because it's obviously an important thing for her to say. Um, I think it has everything to do with her depression of her being stuck hmm. on this book for ten years, um, and it's it's getting it's finally getting to her. See, I didn't think it had anything to do with her wanting to jump off. No, I think it has everything to do with her depression. Okay. I don't think she wants to self-harm, mm-hmm. but she's standing, when she's imagining this, she's standing on her desk mm-hmm. imagining it, right? And she's not imagining it happening to, happening to other people. Every time she imagines the accident, it's her. She jumps off the building she oh, right, right. she is in the car that goes off the bridge, right? Um, I, I think it has everything to do with her mindset and and her working through the story in her mind and being hung up on this death. Um, and, and on some level, she probably sees aspect of Harold, or she's written aspects of Harold uh, that idea is weird parts of harold parts of harold are parts of her her, right Mm -hmm. and it's going back to to her being also a numerical person just like harold right that's what authors do Mm -hmm. and so she's trying to figure out what how to kill harold right so she deems suicide isn't the way that because it doesn't fit his character well actually when she says i can't throw harold off a building she 
kind of does. Because the whole thing about her throwing someone off the building is in the fall, they have a relaxed, like, how she's mentioning how they have a relaxed face when they die. The feeling of And that's exactly what Harold's at the end. His whole, his, his arm is literally like broken to the side. Like she describes the person that had fallen on the floor. But I think the idea is after finally falling, which I think is the idea of Harold, like doing his whole playing guitar and going up elevators thing is that moment of relief and then even though he he went off that that building and died at the end and accepted that he enjoyed that moment of falling more than the moment of on the top no, of that building I, whenever she's whenever she was describing that you know what i i thought if you fall face first off a building you don't land on your back <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so so the look of serene on your face um, would be kind of flat. I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Unless you did a flip midair. <laughs> yeah. I agree, but it, that's not the way she describes it, though. She I doesn't think it, describe it's a very, it. Yeah. It's a very conscious decision to say that that fall, that it's not the hit that kills you. She's it, It's it's the moment of, of enjoying the wind on your face, I think is how she says it. Being content in the fact that you are going to die, right. so you might as well accept it. And that's exactly yeah. what Harold goes through at that ending, is accepting, all right, I went off the building, I know I'm going to die, I might as well enjoy the breeze on my face right now, I might as well enjoy playing my shitty guitar covers and but did he? Meatloaf. Did he? He doesn't do that till the last... No, right, what I'm saying is... is, is he, he he doesn't start doing that until until Professor Hilbert says you're gonna die. This plot is gonna come to you. You're, you need to live your life. So that's him going off the building right there. It's going I like to that. yeah. When Doctor when Doctor Hilbert tells him, look, you're you're gonna die either later on, whether it's or, waiting in line at the bank or having a heart attack in rush hour, right? Um, and to me, it was kind of silly. So, you're going to die no matter what. So, you might as well just die for literature. <clears throat> Seemed silly to me. Like, like, oh, give give up the... He's telling him, give up the fight. Just go live. Give up the fight. And for, take for the sake for of this one novel. And right. here's the thing. It's such a... Through the entire thing when they're talking about how good this novel is, it's like, what is the story about? Is if because if this story is only about about Harold's relationship with Anna, this is a bad book. And is that worth dying for? Because <laughs> you don't know what the plot is of Is it of strictly it exactly. about a man uh, a man who eventually realizes he Right, because the plot of the movie is that he can hear it. And that's but, the only thing that makes it interesting. Right. If it was just him and Anna, it would be pretty darn boring. Yeah, but 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 if Harold has to die... Um, just like would, Harry Potter. Why would that make the book a masterpiece? The, it, 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 so, it, so if Harold died in the movie, then the movie would be better? That's the thing. Are they... Are they, are they intentionally saying we know we made a shitty movie <laughs> he should um, die and if he would have died at the end this movie would have been better and would have been worth your time but 
<laughs> but but like the thing that's so annoying about this premise at the end is that they're the whole thing is like this is the best book ever and it's and it's thinking okay buddy this better be a really good book one person's like that kill someone pretentious professor of literature is like that well even harold does that yeah but by making harold die it made it the best book ever by making harold live it was just oh it's all right it's an okay book. It's an okay book. But how poetic really is it to save that. some stupid kid on a bike? Like he's like, oh, okay, you're, well, you're gonna be. It's gonna be so worth it to die early Harold, and save did, this kid. Did Harold jump out of there to save the kid and and make a martyr of himself? Well, Harold because knows he has Harold, to save the kid. Harold Harold has read it. And he knows what's going to happen. So he's he's making a decision, saying, I'm. I I will die to save this kid. We don't ever hear him say that, but if what he's if he read just it and he doesn't. knows what's going to happen, well, yeah, because it doesn't is he doing it his just actions. because is he doing it just because he knows that a kid's life is in danger, and if he doesn't do it, then the kid's going to get killed. Just turn and say stop, idiot, and the kid would pump his brakes. Or kick he, his bike as he's going yeah, by and yeah. like knock him down to the ground. At this point in time, he knows that his watch is wrong. Why doesn't he fix it? <laughs> well, because he doesn't be fix- there for the kid. <laughs> Why doesn't he? And fix none the- of the people there in that group are like, "Oh no, no, sorry, sir, your watch is three minutes ahead." <laughs> are they all nobody, three minutes ahead? Nobody says, "Oh yeah, this idiot gave you the wrong." T- <laughs> okay, all of the people are at right there. <laughs> All of the, and all the people are right there waiting for the bus, which means the bus door is going to stop where all those people are, which means it wouldn't have pulled forward more to hit the it kid. It must be going so fast. Yeah. Like she was, she must've been hauling fucking ass. <laughs> she like, was probably late. It's her first day. Yeah. But the, the, the bus driver in the beginning, he's running down, he's late for the bus and he's running down the street towards the bus waving his arms and the bus just takes off and goes right past him <laughs> and, and right? that bus driver I, I sees thought, him every day i thought i thought what a fucking asshole <laughs> bus driver right don't worry it's and, wednesday oh god <laughs> it's wednesday harold don't it's, worry it's wednesday it's wednesday <laughs> she was good i like but, but this is wednesday she was better than harold Oh yeah, she was awesome, uh, and it's one of those. It's the 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 minor characters in uh, this are what actually make this movie worth anything to me. Everybody's really just working with what they have to work with. Why did they have a walkthrough scene in the showers? Oh, <laughs> oh my god, blocked off by the to show all of the. The hairy backs and the fat man ass—they're <laughs> all facing the same direction, Why? in the same way. Well, to that's block what I'm saying. Penises. There are a lot of scenes in this movie that just. Why? <laughs> that like, was funny. The conversation though. he has with Professor Hilbert. Hilbert. Right? There are good conversations. He has good. There's good dialogue between them. The location of them—it just doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's weird. The entire <laughs> He's time peeing with his cup of coffee up there and <laughs> Um I I liked that scene because Dr. Hilbert's telling him you you're obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. without saying you're obsessive compulsive. How many tiles are in the bathroom? How many tiles did you count in the bathroom? I noticed you're counting the stairs. 
um, he's trying to get to the core of what his, his problem is, of what Harold's problem is. Uh, so taking him these different, in these different areas and seeing his reaction to see if he's, is a complete nut, um, which I'm sure he believes he's a complete nut until he says, um, little did he know. Um, and that's what triggers him. Like there's something going on here more than, you know, there, there may be a narrator in his head, mm-hmm. which that, I mean, I that, guess, but that, that made it that made it to where it was a narrator and not just him dictating mm. what he was doing in his head. Right. I got that. Mm. I got that. Um, but yeah, the the shower scene is way later, and you're <laughs> you're you're face on with them in the shower, but they're behind poles, and they they it make just the, they make the so frame strange. and show all the guys in the background. Yeah, it's probably just for a joke. That was probably the only reason. It's like, hey, but. you want to be in my movie? I got a perfect. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're uh, a, a fat perfect- white guy. <laughs> you want to show your ass to everybody? <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, oh no, we can't use your, your back's not hairy enough. We gotta. <laughs> Such a weird location. Yeah, it was strange. It was strange. And to walk through the showers <laughs> in order to get to the, the lockers are on the other side of the side of the showers. So there's the lockers, the showers and the door that goes out into the hallway that goes out into the pool. So if you're walking to the pool from the locker, you have to walk through the showers. <laughs> what? That was crazy. That was that that was it didn't make any sense to me. I either. thought it was amazing. I loved it. I just yeah. love how in any movie where there's like a nude scene I, and I, it's like so obviously they're adjusting themselves to be behind things and things like that. That takes me out of a movie immediately. I thought it would have been better if there were at least, you know, a couple of good-looking dudes in there. I don't understand the purpose of having those conversations anywhere but his office. Like, it's one of those things that I've been noticing more and more. Movies change locations just for the sake of changing locations. What the, uh, I know that he was the faculty um, lifeguard at the pool. Right. But what does that but add? But what does that add to? It I doesn't. mean, it doesn't add any... If it was... There's what a shot the of him pool? swimming later during. And he jumps in the pool, yeah. right? But what is the? the what could that, that have, shot? What did that have to do with Harold, though? Well, I mean, this this film well, is about the themes in the this movie. film is about Harold, and the themes of the movie have to correspond to Harold, right? So we have the numbers, and and all of that. He's an IRS agent. There's numbers involved. There's um, numbers and music, right? It's number based. I can't for the life of me think why they're in a pool. Why they're in a pool. I can't either. Just the exercise for Hilbert is not number based for Harold. Everything should reflect on Harold if it's Harold's film, if it's Harold's movie. I know Will Ferrell's a hot button issue. Right. So I, and, <laughs> I remember the movie being okay, so that, that's why I wanted to pick it, because I knew it had meaningful themes to talk about, but it's not a great movie. That's which I think it lends itself to good conversation. And you know, what is neat about picking a movie like this where it's not like 
top tier of top tier. Not saying like every single <laughs> cats and dogs is top tier, of top tier. <laughs> but no, this one that's kind of more in the middle where it's like a good movie, but it's not. It's not like Oscar bait like that. Is is th- I kind of forget when I see a movie that doesn't pique my interest all the time. I forget that that movie does have explorable themes and explorable like moments. And I think that really does challenge me a little bit to walk away from every movie, not only like the Oscar ones, but like rom-coms and things to be like, Oh, the writer did go into this with a purpose. And that is sometimes not as fleshed out as like a, as an Oscar winning writing. Uh, it's still there and right. And should be taken out of it from an experience. I really feel like, this script wasn't workshopped enough. Mm. Like if it was workshopped with, with a group of people that, that the writer trusted and knew to give um, constructive criticism back um, and him being uh, receptive to that constructive criticism, some of these flaws that we've pointed out would have been um, corrected. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's sad. That's that's too bad. That's something that I that that I try to teach whenever I teach intro to screenwriting. Um, something that we weren't really taught um, was to give constructive criticism. I tell them, "Hey, man, good job" is not constructive in any way, shape, or form, and you have to be deeper than that. And you have to voice what it is that you saw that you really liked, or that you saw that didn't work for you, or was confusing, and stuff like that. Um, I think it, it benefits story to yep. do that. I mean, of course, a writer's gonna gonna hold on to the things that are most important to them, but it, it makes you think as a writer. Okay, I I wrote this and I put it in, and if it doesn't work, then why am I keeping it? Mm-hmm. The pool, for instance. Right. He could have met him anywhere. He could have met him in his office. He could have met him in the classroom again, or they could have you know stayed around. Because they're only in the classroom for like. A second. A second. Yeah. A second. And what, then they, so, they kind of lingered on the topics on the board. I didn't catch what the topics of the board were. I but, didn't. Yeah. At that point, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I should have gone back and looked at them. I, yeah. I'm sure. I thought about it the second time. I watched it, and then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I got enough. I got enough ragging shit on this movie. I'm not going to go back and nitpick about some writing on the board and how it, it you know makes sense or doesn't make sense. I was kind of depending on you guys to do it. <laughs> Well, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the writing and pick our favorite quotes. Do you guys got some quotes ready? I do. Yep, definitely got one. I got a few. Who wants to start? Uh, I guess I'll go since I picked the movie. Uh, My favorite quote is when uh, Harold and Dave are eating dinner. um, And they're talking about space camp. And Harold says, aren't you a little old to go to space camp? And Dave just deadpan without a doubt in his mind says you're never too old to go to space camp <laughs> it's just you're never too old to go <laughs> to space so camp it's so sweet yeah tony hale is amazing um i like that he signs him up for space camp yes. at the end i yeah, love that was, that that yeah. was good that was because you can and, you can, it and, shows that's a real friendship for him and and it's a perfect example space camp is fucking math based it's science based mm-hmm. it's math based and It was, it was a it, nice It's touch. connected to Harold. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, it's all about it's never too late to, you know, play guitar. It's never too late to jump off that building and feel the breeze on your face. It's never too late to go to space camp. Yeah. It's never which, too late to become a bus driver. driver. If I had the money, I For think her, I would For her, it was like a little to too early. 
<laughs> yeah, she should have started the day after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she should have not circled that. No, if she started earlier, she wouldn't have been speeding. <laughs> Maybe if she was trained and on her first day, she wasn't all alone in a bus. <laughs> Do you think, man, I when he's on that bus the entire time while reading it, would they actually let you stay on that bus? They through the washer? No. <laughs> it felt, no. It felt because they come on they clean. Yeah, they yeah. come on they clean. I've stayed on a bus um in San Francisco before. Like just just we we just rode it. And at one part it comes down and it and it stops for a little while. Um and as it turns around and then it starts off off again going the other direction. And the bus driver actually told us, you know, you need to get off and you need to get back on. Um, oh, we couldn't, really? we couldn't sit on it. And that wasn't, like- and that wasn't, that was just stopping. And I, and I believe it was because he stopped and he was going to go on a, on a lunch break or something. And he must've had to lock the bus or something. But, um, but yeah, they, they kick you off of buses. I, I did Especially like- when you're going back to, to have it washed and, and and refueled and all of that. They don't want you there. They don't want you in the. I think it was a good. It was a good like visual thing. I yeah, imagine it was, like, strictly, it was strictly visual. Dude, and it's nice. As but. much as I love being in my car while it's getting washed, imagine being like just reading in a bus while it's getting washed. That's pretty good. Nice. I wouldn't read. I would be looking out the window. Yeah, yeah. Um, my quote has to do with that bus. My favorite <clears> quote <throat> is. <laughs> When he's reading and he's taking up the entire seat with the other papers. And that one guy's right next to him says, no, I don't want to sit there. I want to sit here. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite quote. (laughs) He wants to sit on the inside seat. (laughs) Uh, Right next to him. Yeah. Yeah, that stuck out to me. That was funny. The, the, it's really the side character interactions that are really good. Like the the guy that was on the that was on the um the phone who was trying to get a hold of his of his granddaughter. The way he was talking over the phone, like, no, my my granddaughter's not there. I'm trying to talk to my daughter. It's, it's some about like the outside. Which reminds me, speaking of side characters, um, two things about the guy and about the guys in his office. Those are the Sonic guys. Oh, right. That's how the, I remember Those are the them. guys from the Sonic, the Sonic commercial. commercial in the car. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And second, when they ask him a question and he says it wrong and then he says it right, he said it right the first time and then she got it wrong. Really? Mm-hmm. The narr- so, like, he gave them the right answer and I then when the, the narrator's like, but it's actually, that's the wrong answer. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, that is interesting. Wow. Got your quote, Brandon? I do, and my quote's not from a character. It's from the TV whenever he's watching TV. <laughs> um, he's watching... Uh, it. It's when he's doing nothing in his apartment on the TV, and um, it's a show about monkeys, and the narrator says, The primate's sad, soulful eyes will be the first to be plucked out and sold to cosmetic companies around the world for use in the testing of mascara and artificial tears. Next, the monkey's fur will be stripped away from the from their limp corpses and sewn together to make pillows and comforters. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hear that. 
That's when he's stuck on his couch through his TV binge. And he's watching the TV. <laughs> okay, them destroying his apartment is the most nonchalant thing that occurs. Just peeing in his bottle. No, yeah, not I him. Under, I didn't no, understand when, that either. What, why why couldn't he get up, he get up and go to the restroom? Peeing in his bottle is just as much of an action as as going yeah. into the restroom yeah. and him pissing sitting, in the toilet. Him sitting on his couch all day is much of an action as him leaving his apartment. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get it. And, oh, I, and my but, complaint was but, about the crane just destroying the apartment and then that's it. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is a big moment in at least the professor's deduction as to what the plot's doing. I liked, right. I liked, well, he said the plot, let's see if the plot finds you. Yeah, yeah. Which it does. But here's a, here's but, a problem but, with like, go ahead. Right before that, but the, his whole thing is like, Oh, it seems that the that the narration is only following your actions, so do nothing. Yet when he was at Anna's place, they never narrated. So his right. his thing is like, oh, it's not gonna narrate if you don't act, but you acted all day today and there was not a single narration. I said on my case, what were you talking about? I like the TV before that. It's it's about um a mongoose fighting a cobra. <laughs> And right as the as the narrator says the co- and the cobra gets the mongoose, and then and then it s- says oh no the mongoose gets the cobra <laughs> and then the crane comes right in, so so it's it does correlate to the action being, you know a, the, the crane, the crane coming, yeah. is the mongoose coming in, um, yeah yeah, I I appreciated that part of the movie. And and all the maybe because I thought the TV was just hilarious. Everything on the TV was hilarious. Everything dying and like yeah. the narrator was like, "Oh, gotcha! Oh, gotcha!" Or whatever he was saying when yeah. all the animals were getting got. Oh, that that alligators that alligator needs to get the taste of zebra out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> really is how Animal Planet is. Sometimes. Yeah, it was like crazy, like like these crazy. I think it, it sounded like like Richard Attenborough or something doing this monkey part, which was completely. Off, off the wall nuts, right? <laughs> because no, they don't pluck monkeys' eyeballs out to send to companies around the world. They test on live animals to see <laughs> to see if mascara and artificial tears how they <laughs> react. Um, and they don't make comforters or pillowcases out of monkey fur that I know of. <laughs> that have to be a lot of monkey fur. <laughs> That's, some expense, that's an expensive comforter. Yeah. <laughs> this is my monkey fur comforter. <laughs> it smells very oh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like poop. Yeah, make 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 sure you don't rub up against it or you might get fleas. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking uh, it was uh uh what is it? Mr. Burns. He oh, sings. Yeah. He sings the song "See My Vest." <laughs> see my vest. See my vest. Made of real gorilla chest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to some meme reviews. You got your meme reviews ready? Uh, maybe, Brandon. If you're ready, you can go oh ahead. yeah, I have. I I give this movie two out of twelve chocolate chip cookies. Because uh, why two? Because he eats two. When's the second one that he eats? He eats one, and then he eats another one. Hmm, I thought he only took two bites of the first one. When does he eat the second one? That's what I'm trying to figure he, out. She brings, she brings it over to the table. She gives him one, and uh-huh. then she brings it over to the table, and he takes another one. I believed he'd ate two. Okay. 
Okay. I thought it was just one that he took two bites. Don't but I'll question you. my goddamn mean <laughs> review. You're such a bully. I'm not trying to be a bully. You're a bully. <laughs> trying to talk you're, about You're a bully questioning cookies. my meme review. That's the whole point that we're here, aren't we? <laughs> we eat we eat food and we question each other's uh meme reviews. On <laughs> well, I'll move on to mine. I'm going to question yours now. Yeah, go ahead and question it. Um, I give this movie um, four of the disgusting fucking spitting and putting out cigarettes in your hand tissue paper out of four. Does she do it four times in the movie? I think she does it four times visibly in her hand. They're all over her room, but I think she does it like four or five times in her hand. Um, that is so gross. Not only because she does it, but because the shots are so close to her mouth, you can see the spit coming out of her mouth, and she, yeah, and you can hear it. It's right. so nasty. I hated that. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Why wouldn't she just again just to verify that it was four times? I don't Why know. Why wouldn't she? Just, yeah, and see if there's two fucking cookies in there too yeah. while you're at it. <laughs> I am open to just as much critique about my why numbering. Couldn't she, why couldn't she just take the cigarette and fucking flick it at people? That's what she should have done. Yeah. Well, she, she, she wants to reuse it. She, she wants want, to reuse it. Reuse the cigarette? That's what she does at the end when she's freaking out about she uh, takes killing the, him. She, she takes, takes one, one the, out. Yeah. But, but she goes to the store and buys more cigarettes. Yeah, so she's very wasteful sometimes. She doesn't sometimes smoke not. a majority of the cigarette in like any scene in the movie. She, yeah, it's normally just a little bit. Yeah, she's really not. But she needs a nicotine patch. No, she doesn't need a nicotine patch. She's That's true. the only she reason why cigarettes. Queen Latifah was in the movie was to get her a uh, nicotine the patch. Only to get her reason. Quit. Yeah, the only thing smoking. she does. She don't do shit. Every <laughs> single thing, every every single bit of advice she gives, Karen immediately says, "No, I'm doing it my way," and then that way of Karen's works out for her. But isn't that being an assistant? Um, anyways I mean you're right but I just would wish that Penny would ha- like have some payoff like she didn't have any character development she didn't help Karen develop at all she just put, puts no. a nicotine patch on her desk at the and end. she also says that she has never gone back to the publisher and asked for more time and then she does and then and then yeah and then Karen says my assistant Penny said she would go back to back and ask for more time mm-hmm. that's true so she's giving up she's giving up yeah. part of her, but, her like but, hard but, I mean that's not that's just speaking it's not even a scene it's it's not even a scene it's just it's just exposition yeah yeah and it has it had nothing to do with the assistant but but i usually do think that assistants that are planted from from companies to get a you know get you going get a deadline they're just they're they're their goal is to irritate you into finishing so you can get rid of them okay Maybe that's. I would. I would think that that would be their main goal yeah. is to, you know, I can do whatever you want me to do, but I'm I'm gonna watch over your shoulder and make sure you meet your deadline, ten year deadline. Come on, <laughs> fuck. That shit pisses me off. I, if that was the case, though, I just wish there would have been a very like actionable moment where what Penny did contributed somewhat to Karen's end product. The only thing like she really does is she just is, stands like, next to her the entire movie mm-hmm. and she does she does um, she's with her at the hospital in the rain. Well, she does she say does, let him read it. Let him read it. Yeah. 
she does say let him read it um but i mean even that could be replaced by harold saying can i read it yeah and her giving it to yeah yeah i just it's just a throwaway character for queen latifah to play it just it was boggling to me why why she would want to play that yeah jose Yes. What's your what's your uh, <laughs> what's your incorrectly numbered meme review? Uh, I am going to say an incorrectly number because I don't remember the exact number, but I'm going to say twelve out of twelve different types of flower. <laughs> I was thinking about doing that, and I didn't have the. I think I there's sixteen. Shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's four by four. If I if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't remember. I'm four. trying to do. I, uh, that sounds right. Could have been four by five. It could have been four by three, and I'm just yeah. So you being bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to watch the movie again to Throw see. If back I, on. I'm not three. watching. I'm not watching this movie again until I the three really fucking have right. to. I'm glad it was on Netflix. I'm glad I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Well, you did. Uh, it's not my Netflix. Oh. <laughs> I have to pay for it. <laughs> you made someone else pay for it. I have to pay for it. <laughs> well, right. uh, real ratings. Yes. Uh, you know what? I think we always start with Brandon. So, Blake, what's your... My arbitrary number that I give to movies, I really have no idea why I give this movie a... 6 out of 10. Give it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Jose, what do you give it? Um, I think I'm with you. Really? Yeah. Really? Um, I don't. I hope I didn't bring down your thought of this movie. No, I, I didn't have a super high regard for okay. it in the first place. I, I'm really glad we did it because I think it's nice not to just all of a, we all praise a movie for an hour and a half. I, it's nice that we. It is a nice switch up, but I liked it because the movie the movie does have nice moments, and we did appreciate spend time appreciating that. And but I mean, most of it the the movie could be better. There's things that just there are wasted scenes, wasted characters. Um, I, I like the themes, I like the the premise of it, but it's not saved. The it's it falters and it like stumbles to the landing. It barely crosses the finish line. So yeah, yeah six out of ten. Yeah, Brandon. I I gave it a six out of ten. Also, dang, uh, unanimous six unanimous, out of ten. Six ding, out of ding, ten. Ding, I did. Ding, that ding, was ding. that. That's that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Ring a ding, and ding. I hit every single every single thing. The every single reason why I gave it a six out of ten, I covered in in our podcast. Incredible. This yeah. was a very. I would say it's, this one. We we went. We flew through it and got all the topics. I think. I think we hit everything. my last line. My last line was, "I think he should have died." <laughs> <laughs> do you think this movie would be a 7 out of 10 if he died or a 10 out of 10 if he died it would have been the greatest movie of all time if it would have been the greatest movie of all time because it was the greatest book ever written it, it, it was a literary masterpiece if he would have died but having him live was just you know I'll admit right. the title's pretty the title of the book's pretty cheeky oh death, uh, and, ta- death, death and, and taxes, taxes. Yeah. and then the stupid uh, that interview oh. and the reporter Death in, in Texas? Texas? <laughs> oh God! I like really. <laughs> well, because it gave it gave Karen a nice like no. taxes, 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 no. taxes. 
Texas. <laughs> All right. So what are we doing next week, Brandon? Yes. You picked the movie. For Thanksgiving. For yeah. Thanksgiving, a good Thanksgiving movie. Um, I want to go with the movie Home for the Holidays. What's it about? I haven't heard anything about it. It is... Um, and this movie about a lady who goes home for the holidays. Excellent. <laughs> she goes, Ding, she, go, she, leaves, she leaves her teenage daughter um, at home and then goes to her parents' house for the holidays to be with her brother and her sister, her two parents and her sister's family. And her brother brings a, um, uh, a buddy along with him. And it leads to some shenanigans. Some, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Right. I always love family reunion movies. I, I, I appreciate this movie. It has, um, Anne Bancroft in it. Um, Who's that? she was, um, she was Mel Brooks's wife. Um, she's been in a lot of movies. When you see her, you'll, you'll know who okay. she is. Um, Will I remember I, all I the love, names of this I movie? And I love her. Uh, yeah, I think I think you'll remember the names. Okay, not as many. There's a, as... There's a trick to remembering names during the podcast. What you, you want to know what the trick is? Uh-uh. Write them down on a piece of paper. See, right here. I have them in this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like. <laughs> <laughs> you should include pictures next to each name, Blake. <laughs> who's who's uh, who's Harold? And just throw a picture of Harold. Which one's Queen Latifah? <laughs> 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 I had a hard time re- remembering Penny's name, so I just kept referring to her as Queen Latifah. That's the one I I remembered. I'm smarter than all of you. I did write it down though, yeah, in my notes. And, and look at you. You didn't remember it. I didn't have to check for Penny. I knew Penny right off the head, top of my head. Well, aren't you special? I am special. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in this week. We uh, hope you enjoyed a, a, a wonderfully narrated uh, by three British gentlemen. Uh Hello, Gunner. Hello. How are you? I I don't I can't do accents. I really want to hear you do I a British do accent. accent. I, I can't do, do a British accent. Do a British I accent. refuse. I'll do it for the next British actor. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. You're doing it. I'm not. Do I don't. It's the first time we watch an Emma Thompson movie. Not the best time to do a British I accent. Play us out to. with a British. I don't wanna. That's your British accent. <laughs> no, it's just that I don't wanna. <laughs> I don't wanna. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's what you get. 